Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Derek Nauman, founder and CEO of Coupler. Coupler is a service that helps people find the right financial advisor for them. Now, if you listen to this podcast long enough, you've probably heard me talk about how I get pitched this idea all the time. And oftentimes it's one of the worst ideas to get pitched. I will say this much. I feel like Derek has got this tackled from a different angle that actually does work. So with that endorsement, here's my interview with Derek Nauman. Derek, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here with you, man. I appreciate it. So Derek Notman, as you heard in the intro, I get pitched this idea a lot. And more often than not, it's driven by SEO. We'll come back to that. But I think your approach is different. So tell us about Coupler. Coupler is fixing lead generation. It's been a, it's been a pet peeve of mine for years. So in addition to being the founder and CEO of Coupler, I'm also still an actively practicing advisor and have been for over 17 years. I'm a certified financial planner. I own my own firm. And the number one problem, especially for younger advisors, it has always and probably always will be where to get more clients. Hmm. And so I wanted to fix this lead generation problem that we have today. And Coupler is that solution. And I, and I like to kind of joke is what would happen if eHarmony and Bumble got married and had a kid? What would they give that kid a name? It would be Coupler. Because we're empowering people to connect on the human elements, the human dimensions, and we're giving the consumer the power to drive that process. And as you said, we're, and we can go down this rabbit hole a little bit, but we're not doing the whole SEO game or paid ads game or any of that stuff. We're embedding in places where warm traffic with intent already exists. Okay. So we're going to come back to that and how you've solved what I think was the problem that everybody else tackled the wrong way. Let's go back to the uh, let's go back to the history. So you're an advisor. Clearly, growth and lead gen has always been a concern for you, just like it is for everybody else. Talk to me about what led to the creation of Coupler. Well, it's maybe there's almost an altruistic part of me here, but after I found some success and I get it, you know, when I came into the the industry, I didn't know how to spell investments, insurance, and stuff. I, my degree's in archaeology. Okay, I was going to be Indiana Jones, and turns out that job was already taken. So I had to figure out a, another path, but I, I knew I loved helping people and I knew I loved working with money. So that's you know, ultimately how I got into this thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, and I joined because I'm like, all right, I love comprehensive planning. I love this investment thing and helping people talk about how to solve all these problems. And I hook up with New York Life early on in, in my career. And all of a sudden I'm told, well, hey, you have to cold call and you have to door knock. And you got to do these seminar things and you got to go to BNI meetings and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is soul crushing. I didn't come here to start cold calling people. I want to help people. But there was no other way to drive in new business. I had to find a way to drive in new clients and so forth. So I cut my teeth there and I've seen a lot of advisors fail through that process. And I, I don't know what this, the real math is or the statistics out there, but there is talk out there that about nine out of 10 advisors failed in the first three years. Mm -hmm. And even looking at some retention numbers with New York Life and some of the other big ones, I, I would argue it's probably pretty close. So we have this problem where advisors are failing really, really almost all the time. But then we also have this terrible consumer experience, because if I'm going to open up as a consumer and talk to you about my money, something that's very personal, about my financial skeletons, mistakes I've made, well, I'd like to do it with somebody I actually like and trust that I can build a relationship with. So once I got my head above water with my own practice and I started going down this more entrepreneurial route, I'm like, God, how do we fix this lead gen thing? 
there's got to be a better way to do this versus the stuff that's out there currently. Because I've paid for the lists, I've done the cold calls, I've done all, I've tried a variety of services, and they all, they all suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all grinding, right? Like it's they're all it's, grinding. It's all grind. Now that is what it is, right? But it's you know there is a certain type, and then it's not a negative. There's certain personality types that are more likely to basically succeed there by grinding it out than others. No question about it. You can be successful doing that. But at some point, you're going to get tired. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's 10 years. But eventually, I would argue the advisor is going to start to burn out on that process. It's very transactional. It's, what as I say, soul crushing. But it's also a terrible customer experience. Again, if I want to get help with my money, make this process amazing for me. Make me feel good. Make me feel like I can open up and trust you so I can share what's important to me and share where I'm at. So I can get really good, meaningful advice so I can send my kids to college, so I can retire, so I can buy that second home, the things that really matter to people in life. So the, it was, it's just a broken process on both sides, a, bro- a broken experience. And I was like, all right, there's got to be a better way to fix this. And even going back to a little bit of my archaeology, anthropology background, and then I also worked at a, an at-risk treatment center for youth, at-risk youth. For a number for about three and a half years, I just it was very clear to me that human beings connect on a human level first. We're wired that way; it's part of our DNA. So, I with that lens, I'm looking at the rest of our space and lead gen. I'm like, why are we telling people the best advisor for them is going to connect with them based upon how much is in their 401k and where they live? Mm -hmm. Oh, the old postal code lookup. Yeah, yes, greatest frustration. You know, we can have we can have the most beautiful profiles. With all kinds of stuff that tells us how people are awesome we are. But the number one thing by a long shot, actually, I'll tell you what I've discovered. Number one thing is definitely postal code. Number two is billing method, right? Like, are you fee only? Like, which it's just like, it speaks so, so powerfully to the industry's failure at creating, understanding a differentiation and value proposition, right? Yep. It's, 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 it's a sad indictment that frankly should embarrass all of us and we should all be working on fixing. A hundred percent agree. And I, I was guilty of that myself and how I operated for a long time. So mm-hmm. anyways, I saw this as a potential solution. I did an alpha test with a firm actually in South Africa of all places. My, my mom's from South Africa. So I've got some connections there and got some great feedback. And I was like, okay, now it's time to get serious about this. Let's bring on some other folks. Let's get a good core team and let's build this thing to go out there because we know it is the biggest problem pain point for both sides of the equation. So let's go fix it. Yeah. Well, no one, no one really gets into, I mean, so a couple of things. First off, I too had the Indiana Jones archaeology bug and found out it was nothing like that and decided history was a good hobby but not a career <laughs> so i wonder you know, dig sometimes <laughs> you know I, I did funnily enough i did meet the man who, who i did meet the man who taught the stunt coordinator on that sh- on that movie who taught harrison ford the bullwhip it's a different story how cool yes he also fought bruce lee in a movie it's a crazy story anyway wow so that's the first thing second thing is every statistic I've seen is correct. Based on what you said is correct. The washout rate is in the 90s across the board for the industry with certain channels. Typically, we'll call them more MLM-based sales, friends and family type things, having numbers closer to 99% is my understanding. But this is one of my biggest pet peeves, right? Is that you attract a bunch of people to an industry, a lot of people. 
and you tell them they're going to do all this good. And that that basically is really the sales pitch these days. It's like when two, there's really two sales pitches. One is the money aspect, which frankly, that's the reason why you're doing it. That's the only thing you care about. Then, well, I don't really care if you wash out. But if you know, there's the <laughs> other, like, you're going to do all this wonderful stuff for advisors. And I've heard this from young advisors all the time. It's, you know, they told me I was going to do all this wonderful stuff. And then they're basically handing me a phone and telling me I got to sell whole life insurance in order to make a living, right? Yep. And, and they call my friends and family, if you think about that, how many unbelievably talented, well-intentioned people do we chase out of this industry? Too All many. because way too many. Insane. All because we're too, if anything, we haven't broken free of the old sales channel mentality that everybody that the industry was built in and haven't moved on to an enterprise nurturing profession where you don't do that to you don't do that to associate lawyers. You're like, no, you basically give them work to do. You pay for them. They build their own client base and now they're a partner at the firm over time. Like that's how it's done. And could you imagine if medicine added, acted the same way? Oh my way? gosh. <laughs> like we're Terrible. like, you know, so, you know, unfortunately we're still living, we're still mired in the mindsets of where we came from, but this is, it's, it's, you know, there is no, the succession crisis wouldn't exist if we actually just operated like business owners properly, but that's a different story altogether. So, and you know what, you're right. And going back to the people come in and, and they're not being told you're going to basically pound the pavement and do nothing but sales to keep yourself alive and get on this hamster wheel. Right. And the yeah. other problem with that is that, a lot of times you get on that hamster wheel and you never get off, right? Because you never stop to you develop don't. the business, the business structures and everything else. So now like it all becomes about lead gen because frankly, you're losing stuff on the back end due to poor service and everything else. So it's just a terrible, terrible like weight of the world, unfortunately, that needs to be resolved, but you're not solving it. And, and one last story before I get back to you, I always like in the, it's also what, it, what I refer to as the, as the, um, the artist dilemma. No artist gets into art to be to sell their art. They do wonderful art, and then they wonder why they can't make a living. This is why we have starving artists. And the difference between Picasso and Van Gogh was Van Gogh died penniless, brilliant artist, but Picasso died the richest richest um, uh, artist ever to live. Why? Because he knew how to sell. Yeah. Right? Yep. So talk to me about. So yes, yeah, so you got that. Now, now go back to going back to your to Cooper and how this works. Okay. So again, I said before, pitch this all the time. Always through SEO lead gen, people saying, look, I know how to drive attention to a website, man. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about that, right? And then they think that this is going to convert into, into sales and the graveyard of companies I've seen attempt this. A lot. Insane. A lot Insane. So originally when you basically said you were doing this, my eyebrow raised and I'm like, okay. And I always try to hear people out and you, you would tackle this differently. So talk to me about, you're not driving this through SEO. What are you doing? first and foremost, to capture the top of the funnel, the attention piece? Well, that is the absolute most important piece to get things going. And again, we are talking about people's money, arguably one of the most personal things that they don't talk to almost anybody about. So we're not going to feel, I mean, think about getting served up a Facebook ad or SEO you know, while you're looking at what your grandkids did over the weekend, like that, that doesn't give you, a, you know, you're not really thinking about clicking on that link and, and going through this great experience. So, but we do as consumers, we search hundreds of thousands, if not millions of times a month for investment, insurance, retirement, cash flow, all these different things that we have, these needs, these pain points that we are experiencing. So we search for these things on a regular basis. We also go to different websites to get this information when we are ready to get that information. And that could be a life insurance company. It could be an investment company. It could be all things finance. It doesn't matter. 
those are the places where warm inbound traffic already exists. People with intent, as one of our, my founders, Meg, Meg Lertz says, and she's, well, she's educated me on something called the trans-theoretical model of change, which actually, if you look back at the history of this, is, so this is, this is what's cool as a quick like, tangent. What? Coupler is, is based, is using real science to solve this problem, not SEO, okay? Mm. And the trans-theoretical model of change was actually something developed back in, I believe, the 1970s to understand why and when people quit smoking. And it's been now we're applying it to lead gen essentially. And when are people ready to make a decision when it comes to their money? Is there a pain point? You know, how long have they been thinking about this problem? Is it really time to take care of it? So when people are searching about retirement planning or a rollover or getting life insurance or whatever, at some point they're going to be like, well, I just want to know a little bit about this. I don't need to make a decision today. Two months from now, I'm like, yep. I just had a kid and I got a house. I have to make the decision right now. The trigger happens, yes. Exactly. There's these different life events. So we want to embed Coupler in these environments where people are thinking about these things and then simply drawing their attention to the fact that like, hey, we understand that you need help and let's help you find the best advisor for you based on different human dimensions. So you can open up and share these things with them and connect with them. Because we know as soon as you connect on a human level, you have shared commonalities, shared experiences, shared philosophies in life. You're both dog people, whatever. As soon as that stuff you connect, you're like, boy, this person's probably really going to understand me very quickly. That is the formation of trust. That's how we get trust to happen. And now I am ready to open up as a consumer. I'll take it one step further, Jason. So we do this and we empower the consumer. So when they're ready, they can research it and get matched with an advisor for them. And this is something else called the paradox of, chain, of choice. It's more science, okay? And we, we know that when people have more than three or four choices, six maybe, we get, we're like, forget it. I got way too many, like Meg always jokes about, like there's too many jams on the shelf at, at the grocery store. And that does cause less sale of jams. <laughs> it does because people just shut down. They're like, wait, that's way too many choices. I don't really need the jam day, so I'm not going to buy it. And just, yeah. I can't deal or with they, it. Or they go to the one thing that they were used to and do that over and over again because the cognitive burden of doing something else is too difficult. Exactly. exactly. So we realize that. So we are helping filter down because if you, you mentioned postal code earlier, yeah, put my postal code in. Here are the top 250 advisors for you. I've shut down as a consumer instantly right there. I'm done. I'm out of there. But if we can say, listen, we're connecting you on different human dimensions with the best three or four advisors for you. Now I'm interested. Now we take it a step further. And this is the bumble aspect is we let the consumer go look at these matches. Who are these people? Do I really connect with them? What's their bio say? What does their website say? What does broker checks say? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when the consumer is ready, based on the trans-theoretical model of change, they initiate contact with the advisor or advisors they really want to go have an initial meeting with. So they're driving that process. And we know that's doable at scale because of how many people are looking for these things on a monthly basis. And now the advisor literally has warm inbound leads coming to them that know everything about them. They know how they work, what they charge, how they operate, blah, blah, blah. Probably the clients fit this, the advisor's ideal profile. And now the advisor spends more time working on helping their clients 
which means they're going to listen better and they're going to do better planning. What happens when we do that? We place more products and services and that business stays on the books longer. So the advisor is more successful. We increase the advisor retention rate, clients happier. Everyone wins. So I could go on and on. I'm no, just really passionate about this. So. <laughs> so, I mean, let's start off. So top of the funnel, you've already established, you're not going out there paying for expensive lead gen because it is expensive to do it. Very this. expensive. Yep. Because when you're competing for SEO on new advisors, you're not competing just with other advisor like placement tools. You're competing with every major financial institution in the world because with they're unlimited all unlimited budgets. Unlimited budgets. So like your cost of acquisition is through the roof, right? So, that, so that's the first piece, right? Just to get them in. Right. Now let's not figure, and there's an old rule I remember hearing, it's called the 8515 rule, that 85% of people who visit you or your site aren't or hear your pitch aren't ready to buy at that moment in time because it's just not the right time for them. 15% are, but there's no, there's no repeating. Uh, this is why you do trip marketing if you can't. So you get that. So you would think about 85% of that spend being thrown away. That's insane. Whereas if you're already not paying for traffic because someone else already has it, problem solved. Now, the matching up and kind of eHarmony aspect of it all, I've heard before. But here's where I think, and this is this is a you know the way you've done is a little bit different. Is that you're not structuring around the conventional, right? Or the conventional of simply location, simple bio, all that other stuff. You're providing other information on value proposition, right? And there is a uh, I have talked about this several times. There's a book called They Ask You Answer by a guy named Marcus Sheridan, who's written an incredible book on content marketing. And basically, the goal should never be to right now. Most people's websites and marketing is is basically structured as let me give them a taste so they come and contact me. Yeah. Is that how we do things on Amazon? No. Is that how we do things anywhere online? No. But for some reason, we are all so afraid to put ourselves out there that, and my website's guilty of this because my line of thinking has changed since I've heard this and I just, I've been so busy. I haven't tried to re- redo my website, but one day I will. And it basically, it's always about just, let me get them to call me. If they've got to call you, you already got a, you got already a problem. Like the, the, the smartest, best thing you can do online is convince them to work with you before they even contact you. Exactly. Right? And that's that's what you're baking in. And I think that's that's the not paying for super expensive lead gen is first off the, the crucial piece because now you reduce your cost of acquisition because the acquisition is already there. And now you're into simply lower levels of the funnel because someone else is taking care of the top end of the funnel. Yep. But the fact that you're focusing in on more than the simple default because how compelling is postal code? Like, oh, congratulations. This person's only 0.25 miles away from me. I guess I'll call them because they're the closest <laughs> to walk that okay. Does anyone really think that way? And then like, talk about mismatch. What if there's a mismatch in terms of service offering and expectation? Now the entire thing is just like, how many mismatches do you think people will go through before they quit? Before they quit, I don't know, but there's a ton of mismatch. There are other, I would call somewhat competitors that their their closing ratio is one in 10, one in 20, one in 30. Yeah, it's just a different form of grind. That's a lot of bad, that's a lot of tire kickers. It's a lot of bad experiences. Yeah. It's, uh, well, so, yeah, we've just really empowered them to do this differently. We don't have to spend the crazy money. We can actually drive the cost of acquisition down for advisors, which is huge. And we're, we're monetizing traffic that's never been monetized before. Think about this. If I'm a marketing manager, if I'm director of digital marketing for a large company, I have to justify my ad spend budget every year, right? Yep. Usually a seven, eight figure budget. What if I could go back and say, hey, listen, now I know the entire lead journey, start to finish, how much revenue is generated, which advisor got it, how long it's on the books. Holy crap. Now my ROI just went through the roof. 
from that to that, you know, that perspective. So, and there's so many cool things that we can do. We've got all this, we, we almost become a data company eventually when yeah. we do this at scale. Cause we're talking about millions of potential matches a month, or at least traffic of people looking at things. So think of the data we're going to be able to gather and deploy back as, as learnings and, and improvements. Yeah. I mean, just the tweaks to the website alone to increase uh, basically conversion alone, figuring out what resonates with like whatever profiles you can build on these people and, and basically be able to, to then basically figure out who matches with who better and what information was necessary for these people to convert. I mean, there's a treasure, you know, doing this at scale at the right level is a treasure trove of data that, I mean, frankly, makes you incredibly valuable. And because here's the other piece, right? If you're paying for leads and you're converting one in 10 and you're paying for all 10, right? Which is most, most lead gen is you're paying for everything. Yep. Paying for all 10. Well, that lead gen company can only afford to sell you. Let's put this way. I would, you're basically paying, you would, you would rather pay 10 X for the one person who's going to say yes the first time than one tenth for nine people are going to say no. And then the 10th person is going to say yes. Right. Like the value of your time, the value of the effort, you know, like all of that. Right. So you, from a per lead perspective, perspective, if you can get that conversion and close rate up substantially, the amount people should be willing to pay for, per lead from you should be infinitely higher. It will be, but that's not our revenue model. I get there first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 On purpose, we won't, we actually won't charge per lead. Smart. We just, we, we won't do it. That's been a strategic decision. We won't do for a number of reasons that actually get, makes us a really good, it's a really good competitive advantage we have based upon how we're actually structuring this. It also be, you know, it also deals with some advisor psychology. So, um, you know, Michael Kitsis has hit on this a couple of times and pulled it both on, I uh, did it at Wellstack, which we were both at, where he uh, he asked, okay, client with a million dollars, here's the profile. How much would you pay for this lead, right? Or for this client? And you know, there was all kinds of those ranges. And I think the number worked out to, on average, something like five or $700 or something like that to for that. I actually was the first person to answer because I know I knew it was coming because I've done this with them before. And I think there was like a, would you pay 10,000 or more? And my answer was, oh, sorry, it was, it was, a, it was a couple of grand to hit the client. The lower end was a couple hundred, was a couple of grand. Mine was 10,000 or more, right? Because I'm sitting there going like, I know what the lifetime value of this is. And exactly. So you look at that and say, the problem is, is that advisors will come up with a, the number of reasons as to why they would never do that, Right. It's like, oh, but they could, leave, you know, I could lose them the next year. I'm like, yeah, but then it's just a numbers game on percentages, right? Or so there's a, there's an inherent there's an inherent, I'm not gonna say cheapness, although advisors can be very very cheap. <laughs> yeah. There's an inherent, I think, the higher the number, the greater the perceived risk, and the number yeah. of extinct stories we'll tell ourselves in order to talk ourselves out of that. So I think that that is that is an interesting decision in terms of your monetization to not do it on a per lead basis, which I think makes you far more likely to convert advisors to your platform. Oh, totally. I mean, think about it. Whether I'm three years in and I'm struggling or I'm 15 years in and I want to take things to the next level, as a business owner, which advisors are and should think of as themselves as entrepreneurs, business owners, I need to know what my max risk is. Yeah. So if I'm planning out a budget for lead gen for the next year, all the other models are have unlimited cost potential, right? Because I, if I if I tell you I want thirty leads a month or thirty five, or I want to ramp that up, I'm paying for every lead. It gets really really expensive. That's scary, especially as a younger advisor that has almost no budget. Yeah. But if you're telling me my max spend per year is X dollars, no matter if I get one or a thousand leads, oh, 
okay, now I'm listening because I know what my max risk is. And if I only can, we've done the math. We have some prequel cool data on this. I only have to convert two clients in a full year yeah. of these warm leads to actually have a hell of an ROI. And then it becomes a game of how do I basically increase my close ratio by increasing my by improving my profile, right? Like how do I become more attractive? Exactly. It's funny. There's a there's a correlation there back to your eHarmony quote as opposed to the Bumble one. It's Bumble for the for the for the for the for the client consumer, yep, for the consumer. But like having met my wife on eHarmony, familiar with the process, love it, uh, love it. There we go. Like the they don't inundate you with like here's all the women on the platform, right? There's like here's three to five a day, right? Yep. For communication, see if this works. And it's one of these things where imagine an algorithm existed to give you the perfect, perfect pairing, right? Then I would be paying solely for that one. Now, could you imagine if a platform charged you based on number of profiles you actually got to see or were introduced to? Oh my to? gosh. Yeah. The, the dating model would break, would break up. Like it would it just work. work, right? Cause then you'd be, you'd be like, if, if every last one of them isn't like a candidate for exactly what I want, I'm just not going to pay for this anymore. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then eHarmony wouldn't be a business today. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's some wisdom there. You're, you're basically, you're basically, you know, the, the business, it's funny yeah, you went to that dating model because you're basically copying that monetization model to a degree because you're eliminating that friction point of what everybody else has done, which is per, which is trying to, if you close, which is basically per, per, per body, which can be difficult. It can be very difficult. And we know it just doesn't work. And I've had so much advisor feedback about all these other quote unquote solutions out there. And it's not good feedback. It's not a good experience. There's a lot of frustrations. There's a lot of advisors that try it and quit because it just doesn't work. And well, I mean, it can work, but again, it's a lot of hustle, right? So like a ton of hustle. Like the advisors will hire people just to call those leads. So now yeah. I'm paying for the leads and for somebody to call. And it's if you want to do that and you want to find the right person to do that and you're good with that, so be it. But the reality is, is that it's like anything else, like any other business decision. The more yeah. friction there is, the less likely there is to be adoption and, and the less likely people are going to enjoy it. So we created a highly frictioned environment for lead gen. We totally did. And I mean, let's face it, it's better than nothing because there is something that's going on there and it's showing us where there are issues that can be fixed, which has helped just very, it's helped me validate even more what I want to do. It's pushed me even faster to get this better solution out there. So there's, there, I guess there's some silver linings, but I mean, we're human beings at the end of the day, man. So let's like help each other. Let's use tech to help each other connect on a human level. Yep. It's, that, it's just, it's simple. It's not right. So that's where you are today. The data play long run is absolutely something that's going to be valuable. Where else do you see this going? Well, it's not just in this space. So we, we're definitely more than the U S we can go all over the world with this. But we'll talk. <laughs> What's that? We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well why not attorneys? Why not yeah. accountants? Why not doctors? You know, the health, there's so many other places where we have very personal things we need to discuss with a trusted source in service-based business. So we have a lot of other verticals that we can go to at some point. And then we don't, we're not turning the AI on yet, but eventually we can turn the AI on and we can learn, you know, there's machine learning that we're going to be able to train models with and learn and get better. Think about, again, even as a comparison, New York Life is getting this conversion ratio from using Coupler versus Mass Mutual. Now I can go back to both companies and say, well, here on our, you know, our, our matrix, you know, your score is this for conversion, this is theirs. Here's why you might be getting a lower score. So there's all these other data learnings, there's marketing ROI. I mean, there's so many other things that we can do 
but I got to get this first step done first here, right? Is just really prove out that, hey, this is the best lead gen tool out there. And then all these other cool things will happen as a byproduct. Yep. Good. And yeah. And frankly, the thing about high conversion rates is that they sell themselves. You know, you basically make, you prove that model works. Everybody will, the world will beat a path to your door. Yep. So three questions I asked Tien to wrap everything up and then a positive note, uh, despite the fact this has been largely positive in the first place. First thing is, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? Oh, man, one wish to change in the industry as a whole. I, I think we're getting over. I really would like to see a shift from calling it an industry to calling it a profession. <laughs> and I would like the larger enterprises to lean into that. If they do, they'll make more money than they could ever imagine, more than they're even making now, and we'll end up helping more people in the process. Ah, what an answer near and dear to my heart. I agree on every level. And it's one of those things where everybody's so concerned about the dollar today. They're, especially in the US, the data on, on DIY is a lot higher than can in Canada because of the 401k system and everything else. But the reality is, is that, frankly, I think the goal of the, of the industry should be to eliminate as the desire to DIY in any capacity, right? And a lot of that is basically, don't get me wrong, people are going to just want to do it for their amusement. That's fine. They can they can opt in, but it should never be out of a lack of trust. It should never be out of lack of understanding exactly. of the value proposition. Exactly. It should never be out of lack of, like, it should never be for fear, right? It should always be because, hey, I would just rather do it myself because that's the kind of person I am, right? Fine, that's fine. But it should never be out of, out of all those other negatives. 100% agree. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, we were a lot of professionals for so many things in our lives. We've just done a bad job of creating a sense of trust in our profession, unfortunately. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the problem. And, and you know what? You don't have that generalized lack of trust in like just general practitioners of medicine, right? You don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. Talk about the anti-vaxxer movement, everything else, whatever. There's a level of that. But in oh, general, yeah. you know, if it, let's put it this way. If, if it did, then healthcare, healthcare, if it existed to the same degree in healthcare that it did with with financial services, <laughs> could you imagine the impact on mortality? It would be oh like my gosh. 10, 20 years on our freaking lifespans. It would be drastic. Exactly. <laughs> Second question is what's the big what's been the biggest challenge in getting the company where it is today? Uh, that's interesting. It's probably me. I'm probably the biggest roadblock. This is my first pure technology play. Now I have it. My co-founder has been doing tech for 25 years, multiple exits. So he's, he, he can do this in his sleep, but it's my first thing. So I, I probably get in the way more than I should, <laughs> but it, I think the challenge is, is getting, it's a marketing play again, but getting the, the right people at the right institutions to learn about this, this new solution. And that's a, a lot easier said than done to get it done. And I'll tell you, and I'm pretty connected in the space like you, and it's still a challenge. Yep. And then I think the other side of that challenge coin is that the, and I've even talked about this in my own podcast, the sales process for enterprise type customers is just so <laughs> bloody long. Running it's joke so on this long. show. Running joke on this show. Yeah. And that that's a challenge, you know, like uh, there could be a huge meeting at the highest levels and they'll be like, oh, not yet. Now is not the right time. And everyone in that meeting walks away still getting a paycheck, yet the startup is left holding the bag. And it's 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 a challenge. There's so or, or they're interested and but they want to, you know what? We're not ready for this for now. Let's let's meet again in three months. Yeah. Let's, and then three months later, and then three months and 36 months later, you get an answer. Like, yeah, we're ready to move forward with this. Okay, great. 
you know, here's the first de- deployment question. Oh, we haven't thought about that. Let's uh, let's meet and we'll get back to you on that. It's just, uh, it's indicative of a lack of hunger. And that's the problem. You know, they all want to grow. They all say that. They all say they want the Legion. They all want that. And that is a expressed intent. But their demonstrated intent or the demonstrated it's actual rise are the opposite. It's, everything's too comfortable. It is. And it's uh, it's such a frustration. So we're getting there. I'm learning that game. I mean, I as an advisor for 17 plus years, I'm used to the retail space, you know, much faster sales cycles. And so it's it's been a challenge. I like it. I enjoy it. I'm meeting some really amazing people that are, are trying to do good things, but there's a lot of minutia in these large organizations and it's tough to get through that. So I'm I've cut in my teeth. I'm figuring it out as, as much go. as as much as you think it's bad. There it is worse elsewhere. I mean, I will say this much: at least Americans, you're born with some sort of entrepreneurial gene, which I have forever give you credit for. And the speed to deals is still way better there than it is elsewhere. But it, uh, I bet, I bet. Oh, that you're you're right. There's there's an entrepreneurial aspect that we have, or we tend to do, we do tend to move faster, but it's still slow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll introduce you to some Canadian fintechs, and they can drown. You know, you'll, you'll you can drown your sorrows with them. It's, it's <laughs> it. And then the last question I have for you is: What excites you about the most about what it is you're working on today, and keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight? It's the potential. So, one of the things I'm really passionate about is I I'm on a mission to fix this thing we call money. And let me explain that. So, money is arguably the most powerful tool that most people in the world have some form of access to, yet there's virtually no education around it. And so what happens when we don't get the right advice and an education and direction from a professional with their money? Bad things happen. We go into debt, divorce because of financial issues, poverty. There's all of these things that happen and that drastically impact people's lives. So if I can fix that even just a little bit through the work we're doing at Coupler by breaking down the friction you talked about earlier and helping more advisors, help more clients, we have this exponential scale we we hit. And even if it's just a little incremental difference, if we do that at scale, I mean, that's, that's people's lives we're impacting. Maybe someone can buy that second home. Maybe someone can retire five years earlier. Maybe someone can send their kids to college for the first time in their family's history. Maybe the advisor doesn't wash out after three years and has to go work doing something they hate just to pay the bills because they have a young family. Mm-hmm. These are all things that happen when we struggle with this thing we call money. So that is what I'm passionate about. And when I get up every morning, man, I know that we can make an impact there. And I know that Coupler can help do that. Absolutely. And yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> There's entire fields of psychology and therapy around the concept now because that's oh, just, for sure yeah because it touches everything right and i always say the problems are almost never about the money but the money's wrapped up in it right because it, is. Is, the, it is. is 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 the is the thing that they is the power struggle is the is the is the thing that gets you the sustenance it's the thing that basically leads to conflict right so it's never really about the money it's about something else but because it's the medium of exchange it's the thing well, that gets broadened everything I mean, Jason, you've been an advisor longer than I have. Wouldn't you agree that a consumer, a client, probably tells us more as their advisor than they do their shrink, their attorney, their pastor, or whatever? I mean, they're probably opening up 
to us more than anyone else. <laughs> Their timing is is incredible because the last two days I've literally had I've had three calls where it's just like, man, we need to start training training advisors in therapy because like. You know, the number of times where I'm saying what I can, doing what I can, and then, you know, nudging where I can. And it's just like, I'm not trained for this. All right. You know, yeah, you pick right. up something along the way, but I'm not trained for this. And it's, but yeah, it's uh, because again, I'm, I'm touching all aspects of their world, you know, their relationships, their kids, their every aspect. Exactly. It's just exactly. Well, Eric, thank you so much for this. It's really appreciated. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. I love, love chatting with you. Thank you for Excellent. letting me tell a little bit more about what I'm up to. My pleasure. So that was Derek Notman of Kepler. Hope you enjoyed that and I hope you see why I think it is solving the conventional problem of uh, advisor lead gen dating sites. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see he cracked this that way. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you see your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.